0: back in the early part of this decade i sat down with danny duffy at spring training he was a young guy but still at that point in time a lot of people knew that he was going to be part of the kansas city royals rotation for many many years at that time in spring training as we were sitting at a picnic table in surprise arizona he said to me the famous words bury me a royal and from that moment on danny duffy became a fan favorite Royals went on to win two American League championships with Danny Duffy, and he even dressed in a bear suit after one of those American League titles. Here's my conversation with the Royals ace, Danny Duffy. I hate to say this but man without like noah's bandage project you and i probably aren't sitting here today you, you, probably not you know you grabbed onto to that charity so much and have done so much with noah's bandage project and and the whole impetus or impetus of this podcast is to talk about the good that people are doing in kansas city you got behind it and and took it and ran with it like no athlete really has ever done with a charity before
1: why man i don't know it just felt right and uh the, the, the little bit of time that I got to spend with Noah was was enough for me to know that um, he was a special kiddo and um, anything that he stood for anything that the Wilson stand for anything that you stand for. Um, I'm going to get behind, and and we're going to have a full head of steam for that, so that's where I was at.
0: You know, it's interesting because you know a lot of athletes will lend their name, maybe they'll lend five minutes here, ten minutes there. You've lended your life, you've lended money, you've lended so much stuff to help this cause and move this cause forward, and it's one that I don't think people still understand. Like, There's no money going to cancer research for kids, and you're like, I'm going to stop that, I'm going to take this thing to another level, and we're going to raise some serious bucks to start getting money that's needed for these kids, you know?
1: Yeah, you know, I guess it's that Cal California naive. It's just like, I'm going to go do it. And uh, that's what we decided to do. My wife and I uh, view money as just a tool to make the world better, man. And that's really what it should be. I mean, you know, in this rat race that we're we're running, um, baseball obviously has provided me with a lot. And why has it provided me with so much? Well, I I think it's because, you know, we're on a mission to make this world a better place. um, you always want to leave a place better than it was when you got there. And that, that's, that's our goal, is, is to do our absolute best to make this place change for the positive, even though it's already amazing. Um, but we just, we just love Kansas city and we love the kids out here and what the kids that were Noah's friends, um, they're, they're number one
0: in our book. Where's that start though? Like, where did you decide that's what you wanted to do and say, I want to leave this a better place. I want to do things and make lives better than maybe what I had growing up. You say it's a California naive type of thing, but you've got to have it come from somewhere. You just didn't wake up one morning and decide that's what I wanted to do.
1: Man, I don't know. I just kind of feel like that's how we've always been. Um, you know, I, I, Lompoc, California is a, is a really humble little city. Um, Cabrillo High School didn't have all the money in the world. Um, we had to work for everything that we had, that we got. And, um, you know, in a town where nothing's really handed to you, I just think that if you make it out and, and, you know, you're able to do things that not a lot of people get to do, I think you should share those experiences with people.
0: What about your parents growing up? How much of an impact have they had on you to get you to where you are today?
1: I mean, all of it, you know?
0: Yeah.
1: Um, Through my Tommy John surgery, through quitting baseball, through, um, you know, everything, man. I was depressed. I had anxiety, um, panics, panic attacks, and, and, you know, the whole nine. And my folks stuck with me in my corner through all of it, you know? And uh, uh, any mistakes are always learning experiences, and they don't beat you over the head, you know, with... Um, what you're supposed to do. My mom and my dad are just amazing people, and I'm thankful for them.
0: You, you know, you mentioned that that anxiety and all the stuff that you went through. I mean, you've got to have a strong, you know, behind-the-scenes crew fighting for you to stick with you because if you're on an island like that by yourself, man, that, that's something that's hard. And, and being a dude, tough to admit that kind of stuff too.
1: Yeah, it can be. I kind of check my machismo at the door, though, dude. I, I'm not somebody who – I don't view myself as a guy who – you know, it takes a bunch of pride in the macho ness, and um, you know, if you got stuff going on, I think it's important to talk about it. I think it's important to be able to get to the place that that I'm at now. Um, you know, I was I was having a tough go, as you guys know, last year it was almost a year ago um, mm-hmm. when my whole thing went down and. Even before that, man. I mean, this job is not sandy beaches and puka shells, right. and um, you know, you you look at it through rose-colored lenses when you can. But it's it's a, it's a difficult job. Um, you know, I, I went and spoke to somebody. I talked to somebody, and anxiety is a real thing. And and um, obviously, I got diagnosed and gotten what I needed to get and and I'm dude I'm good to go now um nothing's ever perfect but it's all manageable now so I'm thankful I'm thankful for everybody in my corner man to say the least you know not just my parents anybody who's helped me
0: how did you get to that point where you felt it was okay to talk about the anxiety and stuff that you were dealing with? Was it the incident that you had about a year ago or was it before that? Like, like how do you reach there? For uh, for other people that are listening, me included, I get anxiety over on Wednesdays because the trash goes out on Friday. And I'm afraid it's going to fill up. I'm not going to have room for the trash. I check my stove to make sure it's turned off when I leave the house. Like, I got some of that, man. So I yeah. understand what kind of that's like dealing with that type of anxiety Mm -hmm. how do you get to that point where you're like it's okay to go out there and and, and admit to that
1: i mean i think you know there's a freeing feeling when you have nothing to hide yeah you know and, uh, I know you
0: guys are laughing. You're like, "Oh yeah, the anxiety over the yeah. trash." But I mean, like, it's like, but my dad—it's real, man, dude. It's it, real. It is. My dad's got to, My dad counts the garage doors when he closes them at home, and sits in his driveway and counts to make sure they're closed before he drives away. I can see Checks that. Checks the door at the hotel room ten times. You Been know, it's like, things like that. That it drives you kind of nuts, you know?
1: Yeah. You just, uh, I think, in order to get through something, you got to feel it, and in order to feel it, you kind of got to, you know, converse about it. Um, people deal with adversity in in a lot of different ways, and sometimes it 's not in healthy ways and I was you know one of those people so um you know i mean i would have not to get too in depth but not, i would have I would have these you know little episodes these panic attacks and i mean i couldn 't move I had to like lay down and um you know when you 're dealing with a lot and the world is just too much it 's coming too fast at you um sometimes you just got to take a step back and figure out what you got to do to get better and, and we were able to do that man and through what happened to me last year which in the moment dude it hurt so bad because I knew how many people I was letting down now I look back at it as it's the best thing that could have happened and especially with Dayton Moore um in my corner for that you know they could have just kicked me to the curb man yeah. um they didn't keep me around because you know I'm a good pitcher I mean that's debatable anyway uh, I, uh, they kept me around because they cared about me, and uh, I'm thankful. am thankful to them for that too. And, and as much as I try to put what happened in the past, it's still important to talk about it to try to help people, whoever's going through the same kind of thing that I was going through. You know, um, nobody's perfect. Um, you gotta, you gotta figure out who's in your corner, and, and you know, latch onto those people, and and just, just do your best to improve every day.
0: What was it like being 12-year-old Danny Duffy?
1: Man, I looked like a human bobblehead. I mean, <laughs> same size head, five feet tall. Yeah. Um, I, threw, I threw hard for my age, but I, I didn't really grow in, again until sophomore year. Um, man, it was fun. It was fun. We played a lot of baseball. We played a lot of basketball, soccer. You know, that was back when kids still played hide-and-seek at night and didn't sit on their iPads all day, you know. Um, and by the streetlights, mom, you know, would uh, – Cooked dinner every night, and it was, it was good times, man. It was yeah. good times. I had a great time in
0: my childhood. Did you did you know at that age, like, this is what I'm going to do? Like, we all want to be a baseball player or a fireman or something like that growing up. Did you know at, like, 12 years old that this is something that you were going to do for your life?
1: Um, I had a feeling. Um, I think uh, if, I could, if I could go back and really interview my 12-year-old self, that I would have been um, – Probably bringing the ball up for the Lakers and uh, dishing dishing off passes to Kobe Bryant. Yeah. Um, but Mike Piazza was one of my guys too, and I really I really wanted to. Uh, uh, my ultimate goal was to actually face him, and I missed him by I think two years. Um, but. Uh, you know, I think I chose the right career path.
0: Well, yeah, I was going to ask you, if you if you weren't playing ball, what would you be doing? Because a lot of guys your age have their minds made up. That's what they're going to do, and you guys kind of know it, right, from the yeah. Street. You know, you're you're better than everybody else. You're a little bit better here. You're kind of dominating there. And yeah. You know.
1: I had a good fastball. That was really all I had going for me. I think if I wasn't here, I'd be a meteorologist, man. Really? Weather, dude, weather out here, like, I'm deathly afraid of lightning when I'm outside. But that that that's dope, dude. Like, I love watching it from my house. And, um would love to get out there and maybe see a tornado one day.
0: Have you ever seen a tornado?
1: No, nah, man. Nah, that's a bucket list.
0: Yeah? That's
1: a bucket I, list. You know,
0: there was one time jen and I were stuck in Oklahoma. We had a tornado coming at us from the north and another one coming at us from like the south, and we were like in between, and we were trying to outrace these tornadoes in the middle of Oklahoma. We ended up on a Native American reservation where there was nothing, and we're driving and driving and driving just trying to stay that much ahead of the tornado it's so unreal. i don't know that that's something you really want to see i really experience. do i
1: really do i mean I, I i i guess you have to experience it to figure out if it's for you or not but i'd like to get out there and at least track a storm with a, with a team one day obviously when i'm retired um and you know, i've been through earthquakes ain't nothing really you know really ain't nothing I but mean, you have
0: wildfires too that's got to be those scary. are the worst man yeah. no, i
1: those are the worst, and they're uncontrollable, you know. I mean, all the fire departments that, that came up and helped us with ours, you know, were absolutely incredible at structure protection. I don't know how in the heck they do it, um, but I feel like we owe them our whole life. Um, they, they saved a ton of people's stuff. But when it comes to, like, earthquakes, ain't nothing. It's really not anything. It's just the world shakes for a little bit. You go outside, you watch the t- trees go back and forth, and it's over. Um I would love to see a tornado, dude.
0: Do people mess with you from California like you're in Kansas, do you see a tornado or anything like that?
1: Man, somewhat. I mean, there was, a, uh, there was actually a, like a severe thunderstorm morning and I laid down in the bathtub in Beloit, Wisconsin because I was afraid. So that was 19 years old. Dude. Yeah. Like I'm like, I don't know what the hell to do here. Um, I'm just going to lay in the bathtub because it's either that or get under it, like a door jam. I, I can't remember what the right thing to do was. Yeah. But, you know, you don't know that kind of stuff when you're in Cali.
0: No, you don't have anything to worry about. See, a weatherman in San Diego would be ideal. Yeah. Sunny. Back it's to you. you Seventy eight. Yeah. Perfect day. Yeah. That's that's a, that's the job to have. Mm. And they pay you half a million dollars a year to do that, you wave at the people and you go about yeah, life. That's right. Here you're getting in a car and you're running around and you're chasing tornadoes down the street. That's crazy, man. I don't crazy. know how I'd like to do that. It'd be
1: so much fun.
0: I don't know, man. I don't know why I don't like to do that. <laughs> um, you talk about the Lakers a lot and, and now they got LeBron. Are you still able to be, like, a fan of that kind of stuff? Do you find yourself being 12-year-old Danny Duffy and watch, like, the Lakers get LeBron and you're out of your mind?
1: I don't know, man. I'm excited that the the Lake show is back. Um, You know, I was a Kobe guy, and it's hard for me to hear people talk about LeBron being the king of L.A. already. And it's like, and, you know, that's almost disrespectful to Kobe. Um, Obviously, LeBron is the best player on the planet, and, you know, you can't be unhappy getting him. But you look at the rest of the, the roster that we're putting together, and it's going to be a circus out there, dude. Like, hopefully, LeBron could bring the best out of all these guys because the Beasleys, the Rondos, you know, Lonzo's going to be very talented. He already is. Oh, Brandon Ingram is physically gifted. and. Hopefully it could bring the best out of these guys. But it's going to be a circus, dude. It's going to be crazy.
0: Why do you have to pick a side? Why is it Kobe versus LeBron all of a sudden? Like, these guys aren't even playing at the, at the yeah. same time? And I, they, I, wouldn't I say can understand it, Shaq versus Kobe. You know? Yeah,
1: I wouldn't say it's Kobe versus LeBron. I just think it's hard when you when when they're already giving the city, the keys to the city, to him. You know, you kind of got to earn that. L.A. Yeah. is a big market. You know, I mean, he basically stepped foot off the plane and they gave him the keys. And, um... I don't know if that was intentional shade at Kobe, but, um, you know, nonetheless, it's going to be exciting. I'm going to go watch. I'm going to go wear the purple and gold. I've I've been there, you know, through the struggles and, um, you know, the whole all six years, so right. it's not that big a deal, but um, I was really pulling for these kids, man. Jordan Clarkson, you know, he's a Mizzou guy. Um, Larry Nance, you know, I, I wanted to see these guys succeed in purple and gold and, you know, now they're gone. Yeah. So we'll see what other moves they make.
0: Well, a couple months ago, Kareem Rush did this podcast, and he played with Shaq and Kobe. He was oh, there he? Right, right at the end. And I said, well, what was that dynamic like? He goes, you had to pick a side. I mean, you, you had to go in that locker room and pick a side. And he's like, I love Shaq. Shaq's my man. I love hanging with him. Yeah. But I'm a guard. I'm a shooter. I mm-hmm. had to be on Kobe's team. And if I wasn't on Kobe's side, then I was doing it wrong, and they let you know about it. Could you imagine that dynamic walking into the locker room in, like, 2013 or 2014 saying you're either a Hosmer guy or you're a Gordon guy or you're a Duffy guy or you're a Salvi guy and having to have to make that decision on what side you're sidling up with?
1: It seems like a lot, man. Right? That seems like a lot. It would be really weird to, to even think about that dynamic of of a locker room, you know, having Salvi and Haas, you know, button heads. Like, what? <laughs> No, um, no, I couldn't imagine. I could not imagine that. Which
0: side would you pick? Kobe or Shaq?
1: Oh, Kobe. Kobe, for sure. (laughs) Because you're not a big guy, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, Kobe's my guy. And Kobe never left, Kobe never ran, you know? So, uh, Kobe's my dude. My first child might be named Kobe, boy or girl. Is your wife okay with that? I mean, she's going to have to be Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so
0: so if, you, if you have to pick a dynamic, Kobe or Shaq, you walk into that locker room, it's all infighting, they still find ways to win, what, three in a row or mm. whatever it was. Could you imagine doing that with a team that wasn't as close as you guys? Could you imagine winning anywhere with a team that isn't that close, trying to win three in a row and everybody's picking a side and nobody likes each other?
1: Goodness, man. I mean, we almost won two in a row, and, and that, was, that was off pure camaraderie. I mean – we had a ton of talent. We were raw. Um, we didn't have that superstar, you know, guy. I mean, Hosmer was as close as it got. And um, so, no dysfunction in the clubhouse. It wouldn't have flown. It would not have. It would not have gone over with us, and we wouldn't have made it where we did.
0: Yeah, and, and Phil Jackson obviously had to be just a genius when you think about that to manage not only the the playing but the egos of those dudes in that locker room. Then yeah. too, man.
1: Yeah, I mean. The Zen master, dude. He, he was he was the guy. He was the guy to put it all together, I think. You know, he was an incredible coach. And obviously, what do he get, 11 rings? 11? Yeah, something like 10 that. 10 or 11? Yeah. Uh, Six with the Bulls. He had some pretty good guys. players. Yeah. Some guy some named Jordan pretty, or some something Some guy like like named, that. you know, Mike. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, he, he definitely knew how to manage egos, for sure. Yeah, that's
0: what you have to do, right? Like, isn't that, like, the number one job? Like, people go, what makes Ned successful? I'm like, yeah, because he knows how to manage people. Like, he's good with people, right? Yeah.
1: Yeah, he's really good with um, he's really good with making sure that everybody knows what they're supposed to be doing. Um, you know what they're supposed to bring to the table, whether it be emotional, you know, emotionally from the bench or out on the field. What you're supposed to be doing, um, he finds a way to bring it out of everybody.
0: What's your relationship with social media right now?
1: It's all right. Yeah. I mean, it, it's it's a great tool, and um, you know what I said earlier, it's something freeing about having nothing to hide um but you know i i don't really feel like i i need to mince words i don't really feel like i need to like you know run from anything and anybody who wants to say something or whatever if we could if we could find a way to create some dialogue in a healthy way why not mm-hmm. i mean i don't i don't get into twitter wars with anybody i just call it like i see it and if you don't like it sucks for you
0: people are hard on there man like like they don't understand that like like they're talking to real people because it feels like a lot of them maybe don't feel them themselves as real people at times and they'll say stuff on there that they won't say to your to your face ever i mean and you've gotten some harsh stuff i've gotten some harsh stuff obviously on on that and i think you handle it a pretty good way like you're, you you kind of go back at them a little bit and then you're then you're gone and then those people yeah. are you know out of there
1: yeah you got to do your best to um of pick and choose your battles when it comes to that and if there's something that somebody leaves the door open for some actual like dialogue that'll be helpful to somebody why not man um if it's just talking to a brick wall like a lot of people are you know on twitter then you just let it be yeah. but um you gotta have thick skin especially in today's world and you know as you know the Internet, it could be a scary place. and It could be a weapon that people use against you for no apparent reason. Mm-hmm. But, you know, that's where they feel strong. That's where they go to get their, you know, um, rocks off, so to speak. Sure. And, um You know, do what you want to do, man, but it is what it is. I, just, I try to be as honest and, and truthful and, and um, human as possible.
0: The latest one with you is, like, walking to the stadium and people start to jump to conclusions on that kind of stuff. You've been walking for years. I mean, Ned's told us the story a number of times. You were walking in Dallas, which, what the heck were you doing walking 20 miles to the ballpark? I mean, yeah. that, that, now that that's a little bit of a distance, but It's something you've always done, a way to kind of just be you decompress. and veg out for a while and decompress, right?
1: Yeah, and, I mean, the night that I struck out, 16, um, that was – literally a day after I walked to the field in Texas. So it was a 20 mile walk, then we went to Tampa and I struck out 16 in that start. So, you know, I have a hard time thinking it's detrimental to my career yeah. or anybody else. So if I wanna walk, let me freaking walk. It's really not that big a deal, but that just kinda goes to show you what we were just talking about. People do anything they can, use anything they can against you. For, in, for honestly, no apparent reason. Yeah. Um, Cause they don't feel good about themselves you know and if you run into people like that on twitter you just kind of kind of got to let them go yeah.
0: you know and that's why i think it's important to have that open dialogue because if you don't feel good about yourself there's obviously something bothering you man yeah. don't talk about it instead of taking shots at people or yeah. trying to make somebody else's life miserable mm. try to make your life better man your life can be better you don't have to be like that
1: you yeah. know yeah i mean i've worn out the block button this year you know and i don't feel bad about it i had this dude um Really, when I started blocking people, you know, I was just I was trying to make a joke. I think it was about how old I am now. I'm coming up on 30, the ripe old age. I said, "Man, we're gonna be walking in and looking at these kids, and they like, you know, they're all young." Is basically what I was driving at. And somebody goes, "Plenty of DDs at least." And I was like, "All right, well, see you later." You know, but didn't really hurt my feelings. But if you want to talk crap, dude. Lot. I don't have any problem with See, it, I, and then they take it personally. They like, do. You, you just got done talking crap, dude. Like, what? You just got done trying to literally bring me down for no reason. Right. If, if if what I did bothers you, fine. I mm-hmm. understand that. If if it has affected you personally, I totally get that, um, and I'll continue to try to prove to you that mm-hmm. I have. Change that I, you know, I'm healthy and I'm I'm good to go. Mm -hmm. Um, But if you want to just make a mockery of anything that I say. Later for that bro That's a non-starter
0: yeah i I agree because there's no reason to do that i mean you know and then they you know to to you know to get the rocks off again if you block them then they then they take that as a badge of honor so i've gone the route of just muting and they're still chirping and they have no idea that that i'm not paying attention to them anymore
1: yeah so that may be
0: a better route to go too yeah
1: yeah i saw i saw a twitter handle the other day that said fesco blocked me that's the actual twitter handle really so it's like all right, well, you know, if that's your claim to fame, you got a pretty sad life. But, no you kidding, know? man. Like, mm. seriously,
0: somebody's got that in their Twitter handle. Yeah, oh, yeah. Good for you, pal. Yeah. Yeah. Good for you. Yeah. Um, what is the best advice you've gotten from a fan? Is it where to place your foot on the rubber? Is it the follow-through with your arm? I mean, you get great letters, dude. You really do.
1: Yeah, I had a, I had a guy, um, obviously that guy Bill Palcher. it comes from an amazing place. He's, yeah. He loves baseball, right. and, and I, I'm going to read all of them. Um, I had a guy tell me one time, who's actually an, um, he's a regular autograph hound guy out at the field, cool dude, you know, do your thing, um, he had a binder full of my cards and he comes up to me after a charity event and I'm all decked out and like, I don't like dressing nice but I'm dressed nice so I'm already exhausted, like we're schmoozing with all these people. He comes up, hey, Danny, will you sign this? I'm like, yeah, man, sure. You know, it's really easy to sign a autograph sure. because all you got to do is know how to spell. So um, he goes, hey, you know that thing that Justin Verlander does um, where he starts the game at like 93 to 96 and then um, he'll end the game in his 130th pitch at 102, 103? And I'm like, yeah, 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 it's crazy, right? And he goes, you should start doing that. Oh. And I just dropped the binder at his feet and I was like, i wasn't trying to be a jerk but it's just like bro have some feel you know i'm trying really hard to do well for this team i can't throw 102 i can't do that you know the last time i i even flirted with 100 i got a zipper on my elbow so that back it down you know
0: (laughs) dude you should try throwing 104 i think that'd be cool i know the gate go 104 108 and if You could touch one ten. Yeah. you know How much better you would be. Hundred percent,
1: dude. Holy oh my cow. gosh. Nobody, nobody would nobody meet meet see you. us. It's it crazy. Unbelievable. I have a
0: you know a hammer like
1: uh, uh, Kershaw and a slider like Scherzer and throw with my right hand. You know I'd be good and to if go. You could man. Alternate
0: between right and left hand. Pat Vandetti. Oh, Pat right? Vandetti. <laughs> Boom. That'd be sick, dude. We'll get back to our conversation with Danny Duffy in just a moment, but I want to tell you about Red Door Grill. Red Door Grill is quickly becoming the hottest place in Kansas City for weekend brunch. Every Saturday or Sunday... You can find lots of people in Kansas City taking advantage of some of their great brunch specials. I personally love the vegetable frittata with the Red Door Grill signature hot sauce. It is top notch. My kids, they love those chicken and waffles that they have at Red Door Grill. The buttermilk marinated chicken breast on top of two fluffy waffles with all the syrup and the butter. Oh my, it is to die for. And the Bloody Marys are spectacular. That's what I get when we brunch at Red Door Grill over the weekends. But it's not just about brunch at Red Door Grill. You can find all kinds of specials every single day. On Monday, you get those $5 hamburgers, those half-pound juicy burgers that are grilled to perfection. And, of course, on Thursday, it's Jalapeno Dip Fried Chicken Day. Everybody loves Thursdays at Red Door Grill. And Monday through Friday, you can find Happy Hour from 4 until 7, where you'll get the best specials on drinks and appetizers. So get on into one of those three Red Door Grill locations in Overland Park, Leewood, and Brookside, and we'll see you at Red Door tonight. You got a pretty cool man cave, if you will, at mm-hmm. home. What is the coolest piece of memorabilia you got? Um. Because I think you have a jersey from everybody that played, right? I got a couple of FESCO jerseys I can autograph for you. you can hang on my way, dude. Throw 'em my
1: <laughs> way. That would be awesome.
0: All right, I'll give you one. I'm yeah, I'll take
1: one. it. All I'll right. take it. No, no BS. Okay. Okay. Um, I got the eagle that we had out on the mound after we won the World Baseball Classic. Um, everybody signed it, and I bought it on an auction, and uh, you know it was to a really good charity. But uh, I have that in my, I have that in my in my man cave. Got a Posey jersey from the WBC. I got a original mural from um, the the Paul Gasol Kobe days oh, yeah. with Shannon Brown and all these cats um, when they won the two in a row yeah. in, in, in 2010. Um, I got some cool stuff, dude. It's it's really cool. I'm I'm really lucky to have what I have. What's
0: what's missing? Like the one thing that you gotta still have. You don't know, huh? I can't
1: say I don't have anything that I've I've never wanted, which is, you know, I know how fortunate I am. Think about
0: 12-year-old Danny Duffy. I got a Michael
1: Jordan Tomb Squad signed jersey. Oh, that's pretty sweet. Yeah. Um, Wayne Gretzky. I don't even like hockey, but uh, when he was an LA king, it was a big deal when I was a kid.
0: So there's nothing that you still don't want, nothing that you still need.
1: No, man. I'm I'm like a pig rolling in poop in there, man. It's my favorite. It's my favorite room in the world. And I'll go in there and I'll just look around, and, and it's a ton of things that we've accomplished together as you know, as a lot of my family, a lot of my boys. Yeah. Um, you know, I got a jersey from every year. I mean, we won the Midwest League title. We won the Texas League title. We won the PCL three times, um, American League champs, WBC. You know, me, me and Haas won a lot together, yeah. um, and I got a lot of things of me and him in that room that are really special to me.
0: I read something about him the other day where he called you the best teammate he's ever had. What's it mean to hear something like that?
1: It's pretty cool. It means a lot because he's played with a lot of people and he's played with a lot of really good dudes. And, um, you know, as close as we've all been for him to, to speak so highly of me like that, um, it means a lot to me, you know, and, and uh, I feel the same way about him.
0: Do you do you talk to him much anymore? Or all the time. All the time. He does all the time. Do. How's he yeah. doing? Is he good? Or? He's doing great, man. Yeah.
1: He's doing great. You know, they, they have a good club over there. You know, obviously we, we miss him here. It's never going to be the same without Haas, um, but all good things got to come to an end, and, and he's in a good spot, and I'm happy. I'm happy for him. So maybe one day down the road, when when I've been a Royal for you know 17 seasons in a row, and and we're at the end of our careers, maybe he'll come back and Raúl Labanya is it, and we'll have one more run together. You know?
0: Has he talked about doing that?
1: No, no. no I'm just saying. I'm just. I'm. I him went,
0: limping in at like 40. You know, it's wishful thinking right? for me, bro.
1: I. Uh, I don't ever want to leave here and um, hopefully when I'm you know when I'm of that age we could we could get another shot at another ring together and put a K and a C on it that would be that would be ideal
0: you hate those trade
1: rumors don't you dude they're the worst man they're the worst and you know truthfully it you know it's out of my control so I don't really worry about it I just don't want to hear it man I, I don't want to leave I love this place I love this city. I love the people here i mean i could say it a thousand times and uh, i never feel like i'm wearing it out you know i i, I don't want to leave man i didn't sign back here to leave so yeah. um i want to be here for that next wave and, and that, that next group of kids that were like john lamb me mike montgomery eric Hosmer, christian cologne you know a couple other guys um, moustakis obviously salvi will myers right you know we all took that picture for baseball america i have it signed by all of us in my house and. Um, I could see a lot of resemblance in the current group that's down there. I mean, I keep up with these kids.
0: Yeah. Who do you like? I love uh, Nicky Lopez. Matias. Oh, Matias can hit, dude. That guy oh can hit. Oh, my ring.
1: gosh. Yeah, he's got right? some thump. Um, he's young, too. And Nicky Lopez is a good kid. When he was in big league camp this year, you I think? really got to know him a lot. And, oh, yeah. uber positive, oozes positivity, always locked into the game, you know, all the tools in the world. Um... He's just got to figure it figured out. He reminds me actually, he reminds me in his makeup of Haas. Um, he's just it feels like he's just chosen for this sport, for this for this role. And uh, I'm excited for him to get here, man. It's going to be fun. Um, I just I hope that I could stick around. Yeah, I have and, my and 2020
0: 2021 lineup in another notebook that I always bust out and I kind of did it with Ned a couple of weeks ago, jokingly. I'm like, you want to hear my line? He goes, yeah, let me. <laughs> let's see. We kind of went through the lineup, and he said, that's pretty good. And then that, those two pitchers you just drafted from, uh, you know, Florida, yeah. the, the guys that kind of had their bromance down in Florida, and can continue it here. I'm like, that was Haas and Moose. That was like, you know, bringing that together. That's important to have in the minors, right?
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, um, you know, Dayton's always done a really, really impressive job of keeping people together for a long time. And, um, you know, I – I can't remember in recent history, outside of um, Finnegan and uh, Lamb being traded, and, you know, Will Myers, we don't really, we treat our prospects like like gold. And, uh, you know, between, was it Cowar, 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 and uh, Brady Singer, uh, and that's just the tip of the iceberg. So uh, I'm looking forward to them getting here, man, and and I I guess my advice to them would just be to learn as much as they can right now because I still don't know crap. And I've been here for a little bit, so um, learn as much as you can. Enjoy every moment. Enjoy those bus rides. Enjoy the the grind. The peanut butter and butter sandwiches that we're eating down there.
0: Oh, that sounds. Nasty. Bro, that was peanut a butter
1: delicacy, butter. straight up. Um, when you don't when you don't have any money.
0: I was eating peanut butter on a hot dog hey, yeah. the other night. I <laughs> that actually, that sounds <laughs> kind of good. <laughs>
1: Yeah but dude no nah, that, was, top that top was all we had money for back then, you know. I mean we had some pretty interesting signing bonuses, but when you're eighteen you don't know what to do with that stuff and um you try to take care right. of everybody and before you know it it's gone. So
0: if you could be commissioner for a day, what's the one thing you would do for baseball?
1: i stop trying to change it.
0: Mm-hmm. You're good the way it is right now. DH in one league, no DH in the other. Yeah, man, I mean, obviously, you
1: you you adapt to the climate of professional sports and the fan base. Um, Goodness, man, it's not going to resemble itself in a few years here if we keep going at the rate we're going, or at least what he's trying to do. Um, You know, the expansion stuff is cool. Um, It's always good to grow the game in that way. But uh, John Lester said it best, man. Uh, If you want to go to a timed event and go to a timed event, we don't need it eight minutes quicker it's not going to do anything and truthfully when I was young if it went to the 10th or 11th inning I felt like it was bonus time for me especially if it was a school night and I got to watch Sean Green walk it off or or JD Drew walk it off or Mike Piazza Raul Montessi Eric Caros do something awesome in extra innings that was bonus for me so I don't really see obviously kids you know have a lot going on and a lot in their hands nowadays but I still feel like it's really not that big a deal that the timing of the game
0: you you know eight minutes doesn't make a big difference especially no. when you're at the game and i remember like when i was a kid growing up we mm-hmm. went to two games per year oh or something. yeah that that's was too- like a big time deal and You know, and I remember one time my dad wanting to leave the game early, and it was Yankees-Red Sox. And I remember we were sitting out in left field, and I'm like, it's the eighth inning. We're not leaving. And all these people I didn't know are around me. We'll take them home. We'll drive, you know, right? And so we ended up staying, and some guy named Mel Hall, I think is in jail now, hits a game-winning home run for the Yankees. And I said, see, this is why we don't leave early, right? And I'm a little kid at that time. And from that moment on, I don't want to leave early. And I understand if you're watching it on TV, there's other things that you could do going on. But if you're at the game and you're sitting in that stadium, you have no idea what kind of time frame right. is going on. You're not looking right. at the watch. No, you don't. Time, you don't worry you know?
1: about that, man. Especially when you're little. I mean, games could go on forever. It could be a full-on marathon, and we'd be locked into every pitch. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. You're probably the same way. So uh,
0: I yeah, I used to keep score of preseason, games. Both. spring training games.
1: I watched the whole, Dude, freaking, I uh, the whole game when they went four homers in a row, and um, it was J.D. Drew, Russell Martin, uh, Marlon Anderson, and Jeff Kent went back-to-back-to-back-to-back, to back to back to back. and that was against Trevor Hoffman, and then um, we lost the lead, we almost went five in a row with Julio Lugo to dead center. Uh-huh. And then we lost the, the lost the tie in the tenth, and then Nomar comes up in the bottom of the tenth and hits a two-run dinger. Dude, I didn't have a voice for like probably a week. Like I was screaming. I jumped up. I hit my ceiling fan. Uh, my hand was bleeding. It's freaking out. But that's what it's all about, man. Like you are locked into every moment. It's really fun. Yeah.
0: It's it's pretty cool. And, and, and you know, being a Dodger fan growing up, now you see Manny Machado going there. Yeah, like yeah, and he's done a lot two, for them know? in the like, last three
1: games. So, yeah.
0: Already, like it's it's like it's been a seamless fit into, into what they're trying to do out there. They're desperate, though, mm-hmm. man. It's like what you guys were in twenty fifteen. They're thirty yeah. years now without winning a championship. You, nobody would believe that mm-hmm. for the Royals. Oh yeah, I can believe that. But like for the Dodgers, it's been thirty years since they won a championship. You've got that desperation, man. You're willing yeah. to do whatever it yeah. takes yeah. to win it a championship. It's crazy
1: to think that time. they haven't won a World Series. Um, they've had so much success, and um, you know to right. get to give up what they gave up to get Machado. Um, you know, it really kind of speaks a lot to, to what they're trying to do. And, and you know, it, it, it's, it's good for that state. It's good for that city.
0: You've faced a lot of adversity just in professional baseball, from taking the year off to last year to Tommy John surgery to being hurt during the first World Series run. What was the hardest thing for you to come back? I mean, to?
1: last year kind of speak for itself, but I think um, on the field-wise, I think it was probably um, my, my, my fractured rib in the World Series. Um, we still yeah. don 't know how that happened, and um, obviously i don 't you know go jet ski or dirt biking or anything, but um, you know it just I think it was just from overwork, overuse, and uh, I was just torn in intercostal or something, and it turned into a stress fracture mm-hmm. and not being able to breathe during the two thousand and fourteen World Series was probably the hardest for me because i I know everyone always says if we if we had a healthy me, we would have won and it kills me to hear that but it 's it's probably true man i was doing really well that year and and i don't like to you know kind of pat myself on the back but i knew where i was what i was doing out there that year and and, you know that was
0: probably the hardest that was i think that was tough for a lot of people to see because everybody roots for you like i've never seen an athlete that everybody roots for like like they do for you like i don't know if you understand how much people love you in this town like you you know it's like it's Anytime you say Danny Duffy, people just light up and they smile, and not a lot of athletes have yeah, that. That means a lot to, to me, man. To me. I
1: don't know. I don't. I don't know why I'm so lucky. I don't know why. You know, I've been chosen to, uh, you know, be a part of this community, and and this particular community is is obviously head and shoulders above anything. Um, but I, I really appreciate the love. I feel it.
0: But I think because it's reciprocated, you know, you give it back as as much as everybody loves you, you give it back with the Noah's Bandage Project and everything else, you know, the Variety Club and getting getting little Delaney that wheelchair and that bike and that stuff like that. Like like people love that kind of stuff, man. They they eat that stuff up and they really appreciate it. And when they see that you're kind of one of them and you're giving back and you're just a the dude, they love you for it. And I think that's why. I mean, if people want to know how to have success as a professional athlete. I think you've I appreciate
1: it, man. I mean, love is a two way street. You can't be, you know, in love with something if, you know, you don't love it right back. So, um, I'm thoroughly in love with this city. I love this place. I love the people. Everything everybody stands for. Um, you know, it's it's all good. It's all love, and, and, and I love. I just I just love it here, man. It's it's unexplainable. It's unexplainable. It's like a small town feel in a metro. It's
0: awesome. Yeah. And then then the first start after then, the All the Star break. We see a little yo on that, like, and everybody kind of went, "Whoa!" Did he just do a yo? There's how, a little bit did, of gamesmanship.
1: I mean, um, Rosario let, lets his colors fly a little bit, and uh, you know, there's just some things you know happen out on the field. That's all competitiveness. It's all love, and you know, if you want to get, if you want to yo on somebody, you better be comfy getting yoed on. So I understand that it always comes back. Um, but you know what? It was a big pitch. I felt it in the lane. I knew that I had to get through the ball. Rosario is a good, uh, good heater hitter, and you know I felt it. I knew he was going to take it just from the way it looked, and I just held the pose. And I, I don't do that. I don't. I'm not a flashy kind of guy, but felt right, and it felt like felt like it was a, a good time to pay homage to my little brother. It was pretty sweet. So
0: you did that. On it was pretty sweet. So you did that on Friday night after the All Star break, the night before. Now this is eerie. I struck out a ten-year-old on two pitches in Dayton's wiffle ball tournament, and I walked off the field stoic. And everybody goes, "Dude, you're doing Duffy. You're imitating Duffy." I was like, "I guess I am." But I mowed that ten-year-old down Love on two it. heaters. Good for you. It was, good for you. Was, it was awesome, man. I put myself in in relief because yeah. our starter wasn't doing so good. Two pitches, that dude was out. We still got shut out and lost oh, the game. Man. We scored one Dang. run in on two games. Well, hey, dude,
1: no teams ever. No teams ever won a game without scoring a run. That's tough. That's tough.
0: That's tough yeah that's right it's very hard to do it is it's tough man it's not easy all right going forward man what what's the future look like for you and for this team um not i like, like year, that you're talking about yeah. the
1: next couple years because that means i'm gonna be here um
0: you're on that yeah you're on that 2020 2021 i appreciate yeah. that i got you in there that's good that's good because we got it's me as a number one starter Poir we're one not good. doing something
1: right uh, not so good. Like keller's that. in I like my, that. my i like judy you like that right
0: yeah, I got junior go. and you. Let's so go. You, you go. Yeah, again. let's go. You let's go. You like that rotation? Um, I got Salvi as the DH, though. I got Salvi as the DH, though. He'll still he's catch. He's probably a little old. 20, yeah, 2021.
1: You think? I'll be 30. That'll be my, thir- my age 33 year, 32 year. Um, yeah. I'm excited about it, man. You know, it's like I said about, you know, that whole, the blue wave that we had. <laughs> It's, it's 2.0 right now, and I think a lot of people are going to start paying a lot of attention to the minor leagues um, You know not not to say anything about our, our big league team um, Because I think we're starting to turn it in the right direction uh, Obviously, we're 39 games under 500. So it's a tough year I, I've conceded the fact that it's a yeah. tough year, but we have a lot of small victories in every game, and every day. And people are learning how to play at the big league level. They're learning how to conduct themselves off the field. They're learning how to conduct themselves on the plane. And they're learning how to compete, um, and, and myself included, man. I mean, I'm always learning. So I like where this team's going. I like the captain, captain of our ship who, you know, Dayton Moore has, has done you know a tremendous job of the last decade, and then some. Um, nothing but positivity on the horizon.
0: You know, um, I don't have a third really? baseman yet for 2020, 2021. Yeah. So I'm still looking for one of those. Well, in a that's perfect world, this... it would
1: be uh, a guy named Mike. Um, but we don't yeah. we don't live in a perfect world. I don't know what the future holds. Um, that's one of my best friends right there. Uh, and I want, I want nothing but the best for him. And hopefully he's still around, but we'll see, bro. We'll see.
0: Well, he's gotten shafted. Like I haven't seen a baseball player get shafted ever. Yeah. Like this cat's gotten yeah. shafted with free agency, and now the talk around the trade deadline as well. he's yeah. not good enough for this. Like that guy's a good baseball player, and I maintain if he's healthy and 16, you're in sixteen, you are back one hundred percent.
1: And even last year when Rondon hit him, that kind of ended his season. That's, that's Yeah,
0: yeah. And Rondon, man, yeah. he, he needs to get hit. That guy. Yeah, that was a tough was situation,
1: big. man. Um, he was, he was, he was not happy with himself being in the game right there and he decided to take himself out which was one of the most tired things I've ever seen on the baseball field um Moose hit 38 homers in Kaufman Stadium last year which is a graveyard for home runs um contrary to what I've shown you this year but um but he got absolutely screwed in free agency, let's just call it like it is. Um, the, the dude deserves more. Yeah. He, he should be a cornerstone in any franchise, and uh, he'll, he'll get what's coming to him. He deserves it, and I, I believe it. I, I think that anybody, you know, anybody of that stature, of that, you know, that 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 kind of dude that he is, the, the caring dude, the talent is obviously there. He's gonna get what's coming to him, and I'm excited for him.
0: Is that shirt? Nah, dude. It's it's just like shirt. I just like the shirt.
1: I just like the shirt. I've had this for a long time. It's a <laughs> California bear with a little camo on there. It's, it's my thing. It's ironic. <laughs> she's good. How sick? 120 doing. pounds. Yeah. Super happy. She's back in Santa Barbara right now with my wife. Um, just kicking it, man. Kicking it. It's too hot for her out here right now. It's too hot for. Her. I mean, it's like 90 back home, but it's dry. Yeah. Yeah. Dry heat. It's a big difference. That's right. Oven That's right. She's versus, actually you know, getting. She's. She's. Getting a little brave, going out into the ocean. She's in like that second line of waves right now, so she's she's starting to get there. Yeah, like she's it's a dog who's afraid of her own shadow. So that's a, it's a big step for us.
0: When this season is done, how much, when this is done, how much would you have given? The what am I at right now? Project?
1: I don't know. How many strikeouts do I have? You know? I don't know. I know it's over hundred, somewhere around a, I think I saw one hundred seven today from on one of the tweets.
0: Jen said he had 18 strikeouts. Last night. Said he had 18 I'm gonna strikeouts say 190. No, he didn't, nah. man. Mm-hmm. I'm not i am not going to
1: shoot for that. I'm just right. saying, with how I feel right now and where we're going, I'm gonna say 190,000. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Yeah, man. Good, yeah, man. Heck yeah. Thanks Thank for having you.
0: me be a part of it, bro. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Royal starting pitcher Danny Duffy. As you can tell, this is a guy who truly loves Kansas City, and there's not many athletes that come around that truly love the city in which they play. We're lucky to have Danny Duffy right here in KC.